Welcome to the Parents at Work podcast, a podcast for the modern parent working in the modern world. Join us as we interview leading experts in their fields to unveil the secrets working parents need to succeed at work. Welcome to the Parents at Work podcast, a podcast for parents with young children or other caregiving responsibilities who are still trying to make it at work. This is hosted by the Spiegel Law Firm, where we represent people who are fired or afraid they might be. We have a soft spot in our heart for pregnant Those who suffer from pregnancy or other family responsibilities, discrimination. And today I am thrilled to have with us Suzanne Brown, who is a successful entrepreneur and author of Mom Powerment Insights from Successful Professional Part-Time Working Moms Who Balance Career and Family. And I'm sure we have listeners who, who will be interested in that. So welcome, Suzanne. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad to be here. Great. Well, why don't you let folks know where they can find you and where they can get a copy of your book? So you can find me on anything related to mom empowerment. So that's mom empowerment. So like empowerment, but with an M-O-M. So mompowerment.com. And there's Facebook group, which is slash Facebook slash groups slash mom empowerment. And I'm also really active on Twitter. And again, my handle is mom empowerment. And if you're interested in buying the book, you can find it on Amazon. That's great. And we're going to put all this in the show notes for anybody who missed that and wants to follow up. Well, Suzanne, why don't uh, you tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll get into uh, the work that you do in the book. And one of the things I always ask my guests, which you can answer in all in one go or kind of weave it through your other answers, is your own parenting story. And I know that you have a fair amount of it on your uh, on your website, but I'll let you give folks uh, folks a chance to hear about it here. Well, thank you. So I am, by trade, I am a strategic marketing and business consultant. So I help seasoned entrepreneurs figure out their high-level marketing challenges. So things like writing business plans and figuring out market potential. And I'm also an author. So I figured out that there was a need in the marketplace and... So I said, let me just go ahead and fill that, not really knowing what I was getting myself into. I'm also a speaker, and I am an avid international traveler. I love international travel, and we are getting our boys interested in international travel. And on the personal side, I am I'm married to a wonderful guy who's a software developer. He's my IT guy, among all of the other thousands of things that he does. And then, Good to have one in the family, right? It is. like I could not do what I do without my husband being involved from a technology perspective. And then I am mom to two boys. We have a six and a half year old and an almost four year old whose birthday is literally like right around the corner. And no yeah, no pressure at all. And I'll be traveling between now and then. So definitely no pressure in there. But I have I've worked part time since they were baby, you know, since they were babies, basically since they were born, I came back from maternity leave when I was still working for a large company. And I've worked part time ever since even as an entrepreneur. I still work part-time. And so the two things are completely woven through in my life, and it's what my boys know. And so they know that sometimes mommy works and sometimes mommy can play. So so it's just all part of my story. That's great. And did you know, I mean, had you made the decision when you went out on maternity leave that you were going to come back in a part-time capacity? Or is that something that just developed as you, you know, kind of made your way after having children? 
So I, I always describe it as I cut my teeth in the marketing agency business, which is a really intense, very cutthroat kind of industry, especially because I worked in New York. And it looks amazing in the movies, but in real life, it's actually a really kind of intense industry. And so I saw working moms who had no work-life balance. And so in my head, kind of in the back of, of my thinking, I, I always thought, okay, well, I will, I'll eventually be a full-time mom and a part-time worker. But that really kind of like fast forward to getting married and then getting pregnant and having kids, our older son, I don't ever really talk about it, but our older son was a preemie. So he was born 10 weeks premature and that definitely kind of compressed my timeline to actually like go part-time because we didn't want him to be in, in managed care. So we didn't want him to be in a daycare. And I wanted to be there for those moments. And, and we didn't really know, like, would he have to go to the doctor? Would he have to go to specialists? Would he have to have whatever kind of therapy? Like, we, we didn't really have any idea what we were walking into. It turns out that none of those things were the case. And he's just kind of been a firecracker literally since birth, but you just don't know that. And I had kind of already sprinkled the seeds of potentially working part-time before I went on maternity leave just to, just to have an understanding of, you know, is my employer even willing to like play ball if I want this down the road? But once we had the preemie, we just kind of compressed that timeline. And my manager, who's the head of finance, was totally open to that. Um, so it wasn't too hard a discussion. That's great. And that so what? Are, so your your son was born what year? He was born six and a half years ago. So it was okay. 2011. Which I might also add, you know, I we weren't quite back from the recession at that point, and I kind of I don't want to say I took advantage of, but I definitely understood. Not because part of how I framed it was you can keep me part time, I can continue to do my job, but that saves somebody else's whole job. Sure. You know, and so I put it into kind of a bigger framework than simply let me come back part time because that's the benefit to me. You know, so it was creating that win win, so to speak. Yeah, no, that was kind of a unique time, I think, for folks who were trying to. I mean, let me ask you this I mean, what do you think that conversation would have been like? in 2007. You know, the reason why I could have that conversation in a very intelligent way was based on the role that I had, I had actually helped create a business plan for a company that they were investing in. So I had very personal understanding of what was going on with other agreements that they were making with senior level people who wanted to be able to work part-time. So I basically took that knowledge and said, well, this is a company policy, so I want to be able to take advantage of it. So really, it was more of my knowledge of kind of the system than it was only taking advantage of, you know, the situation in the economy and what was going on with the company itself. And I think that that's actually one of the challenges that a lot of times people don't really know what does the policy look like within your organization because it's not always laid out in perfectly easy to find English, you know, explanation. Like sometimes you have to ask the questions and do a little bit of digging and even sometimes look on third party sites. You know, I just had that intimate knowledge of it because I had literally just helped create some of the language around it. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, I often tell people when they are trying to, when, they, when I ask for advice on how 
to announce a, a pregnancy or that a child is on the way is exactly that. Know what your company's policy is because the person you're talking to may have no idea. <laughs> they, and they just, not because they're not interested, but just they, particularly in the larger companies, they may not know what their own policy is. And, and it helps to have done that homework for them. You are absolutely right. You know, it is, it really helps to have the knowledge and to be prepared and to even have, have had like conversations with other people who have been able to take advantage and to be able to say, well, in these situations, here's how it worked. Because it's almost like not, you know, you don't want to have to recreate the wheel every single time. And sometimes people do because they just don't know just outright. Uh, yeah, no, I think that I think that's absolutely true. Well, let me. Uh, how did you get from being a part-time employee to doing your own thing? So I had done the side hustle for basically since grad school. So for about seven years, I had worked on the side. And a lot of times, people say, "Why did you have a side hustle when you had like a professional manager, you know, mid-level manager level?" And at one point, I was even a director. Why would you have a side hustle? And when I came out of grad school, I had somebody approach me and say, "Can you work on a project for me?" And all of a sudden, my own personal business was born, right? And when I went to go work for a company after grad school, they simply couldn't pay me the right amount of money. Like it just wasn't going to happen, but I really wanted work-life balance. And so I said, I am willing to take the lower salary, but you have to to be okay with me working on the side, doing consulting on the side. And I need you to have a certain level of flexibility for me to be able to do that. So like if I needed to run out for lunch, a manager couldn't give me a hard time for doing that because I knew that I was worth more than they could pay me, but I was interested in having the work-life balance that they could offer. You know, so, so again, kind of made it a win-win. And so doing that for seven years and I really kind of wanted control over my schedule and I wanted to be able to choose what I worked on and to have flexibility and like in the summer, if we could take a trip or whatever the case was, I wanted to be able to go do it. I didn't want to have to be like, well, no, there's only this many days and don't get me wrong. I had a great vacation policy because that was one of the things I negotiated, but I, I just wanted a little bit more control and I wanted to be able to honestly have a little bit more say in what I got to work on. So it just made sense to devote all of my energy to my own thing. And so I have been an entrepreneur now for a little over five years. So so tell me, tell us about the book. How did you come to write it? I mean, what gave you the idea? And then uh, let's start with that and then we'll get into the meat of the book. So when I was working part-time for a larger company, and then when I became an entrepreneur, I got questions all the time from other moms more than anybody saying, you know, how are you doing this? How'd you convince your employer? What exactly, you know, what did you say? How do you continue to get work? Like all of these kinds of questions. And I was meeting a friend for coffee who also worked part-time at the time. And she said, oh my gosh, I get asked the same kinds of questions all the time, like constantly asked these questions. And so we said, there's got to be a resource that we can just send people to. Like there has to just be a place that we can just send everyone there. It'll be a great thing for us to know. And so we went and we both did research and it turns out there's not a resource to send everybody to. Right. And so I said, well, I'll just create a resource. Like, you know, how bad can that be? And so I started talking to other professional part-time working moms. And I didn't exactly know what I was creating at the time. I didn't realize it was going to be a book at that moment. 
but even just to create a resource. And then I realized over time that really it was to have a book, like a one-stop shop, a place that where I can have all the information in one place and I can hand it to somebody and say, here, read this, was really helpful instead of, well, let me have all of these resources on a website. You kind of have to filter through it and figure out what works and what, you know, it just, it made sense for it to be a book. But really it was just, there was a market need. And so I said, well, I'll just fill that market need. And then hence came the uh, hence came the book. So tell us what it was like to write it. So writing a book, I learned a lot with this first book. And there will actually be more books. If you would ask me that six months ago, I would have said you're crazy. But but there will be more. It's like having a child, right? You you got to have enough time to forget what it was like to, to, between the first and the second. You know, except for the fact that this was like a four year you know carrying a child, which. Right, right, right. So that was the hard part. The hardest part of of writing this book was finding the stories because I wanted them to be in a variety of industries. I didn't only want them to be in Texas. I didn't only want them to be a specific kind of level or a specific story of, well, it's only about this industry or, you know, it's only women who are in such and such market. Like some people said, why didn't you just write your story? And it's like, okay, but my story is very unique. I work for myself. I work in Austin, Texas, which is a pretty good place to be an entrepreneur. I didn't want somebody to pick up the book and say, well, yeah, if I worked in Austin, Texas as a consultant with her experience, I'd be able to do this too. It's like, no, no, no. So finding the the women to interview was actually really hard. And that took about three years to find all of those stories because I also wanted women who were pretty senior to be able to talk to other women about, you know, how did I successfully manage this? And then the last year was writing a book, getting prepared for a TED talk. The whole process of writing the book can be challenging of like, you've got to find the right editor. And there's actually someone who does interior design of a book. Like who knew? It makes sense. Once I, you know, once I learned that, but all of that takes time. And then the hardest part of writing a book after you're done with the actual content is you've got to go out and promote it. You know, marketing is a huge part of the book industry. And so I think a lot of people think, oh, well, once you write the book, the hard part's done. I'm like, no, no, no. (laughs) It's the beginning of a marathon. So it was a very interesting process. But my favorite part, hands down, has always been getting to know these women who opened up their lives. Like I learned very intimate details of their lives. They had no hesitation. You know, it was... And sharing that. Yeah, it was amazing the things that people shared, that women shared. I'm sure they were happy to. I'm sure they were happy to have somebody to listen to them. They were. But, you know, I didn't really know what I was asking. I heard a lot of things about divorce and illness and death and developmental delays for their children and people having such stressful situations that it caused, like, literally, like, moms to get sick, like just to have such high stress levels that it impacted their own health. Like I did not expect those kinds of stories. You know, I, like, I don't, I don't know if I would have shared those kinds of stories if somebody had been interviewing me. And so, but it was amazing. Like truly, like these women are doing phenomenal things, working part time. I mean, just moving and shaking in their careers and, it's inspiring. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what, uh, let me ask you, and there's there's a, so much rich material in the book. And, uh, you know, honestly, would, would recommend that, that 
that folks buy it. It is a, it's a great book. So we don't have enough time to summarize it here. But why don't you summarize it, all 300 pages in the next uh, 10 minutes? Can you do that? I, no, I'm kidding. But if you could tell us maybe some of the highlights, what people would learn from your book, and also anything that was surprising that we've already discussed some of that, that you didn't know when you started the book. So I think the biggest surprise was really that it wasn't because of specific industries or it wasn't because of a specific kind of career. And so I talked to women in, you know, engineering, in the legal industry, marketing, some were entrepreneurs, some worked for companies, large and small. So it was the fact that it was kind of across the board and it was very much a doable thing. So I loved saying that. But I think, you know, some of the things that I found really interesting and surprising were that, one, there's a lot going on right now, just in the U.S., as far as changes in the workforce, that really kind of make this a really good time to create those work-life balance initiatives, including things like working part-time. So that was amazing. And that wasn't necessarily from the interviews, but it was from the actual research that I did that... I loved seeing that kind of information. And then when it came to the actual... Okay, let me just interrupt real quickly. Do you, do you mean like the technology? Like, just give me some examples. So for example, there a huge percentage of the population right now is freelance. You know, it's this whole idea of the gig economy. And right. I don't want to quote the number, but I think it's somewhere between 33 and like 37%. I don't remember the number off the top of my head. Sorry. But that number is is expected to go up to like 50% by 2020. Yeah, that's crazy growth. <laughs> well, yeah. and for me, what I kind of understood from that was that companies are going to have to work harder to keep people inside the company if that's what they're looking for. Because once you become part of the gig economy, you know, you don't have to work for any specific employer. You know, you can you can work for four different companies. And so in order to continue to have that loyalty from an employee base, it's not going to be as cut and dry. You know, it's not like, well, there's no other options, so you're going to have to do this. You know, so there is, it's almost like employees and employers are on more equal footing than they have been before. So, so that's one of the things. Another interesting thing is, you know, there, especially in the U.S., we feel very strongly, very, very strongly about someone staying at home to care for children. And that's just the right thing to do. And of course, that someone normally is the mom. I mean, that's just kind of how our society has has built things up. But they have done studies that have shown that the daughters of women who have worked are more likely to have a job, more likely to have a supervisory role, and actually earn a higher salary than daughters of moms who have never worked or who don't work like during mm. their lifetimes. And then for right. boys, they found that the boys of moms who worked spend more time with their children when they become fathers, huh. you know, which, which is kind of totally different than what we're led to believe, you know, or just what we believe, I shouldn't say led to believe what we believe as a society you know, my mom didn't work. She didn't work. And I think she might have worked maybe a year, but she didn't work when I was growing up. And I'm not unique in that. I have a lot of friends whose moms didn't work, but it's a study that they did and it's worldwide. So it's not even a U.S. based thing. And so there, you know, there's just some really interesting data that's out there that we don't talk about. And then in addition to 
keeping women in the workforce really kind of being just a good decision and the right decision. You know, we're talking about half the population. There's actually financial backing that shows that having women at really kind of the senior levels of an organization has a financial impact. Like those companies make more money than companies that don't have that kind of leadership in the upper echelons of the company. Yeah, I think that's right of diversity generally, right? Companies that, you know, have a more diverse board are are generally more profitable. That is exactly it. You know, it's diversity in how you think. It's a a whole diversification in my, or not diversification, but it's a whole, when the more people that think exactly the same way, the less you're going to be innovative and come up with different options for solving problems. You know, it is important to have diversity in your employee base, you know, but that is also even more important as from a leadership perspective. Yeah. Let me ask you this and, you know, for, for parents who are lucky enough to have the choices that some that we're talking about, but, you know, for example, both my wife and I work, my wife is an attorney too. She is, she's part-time, but she still goes into the office and and it's actually helpful to hear some of your statistics because I'm like, okay, well, that that makes the jump ball that we have often every morning worth it. Because sometimes it seems like, you know, look, wow, wouldn't it be easier just to have, you know, straight lines of responsibility, right? Like if the, if the kid throws up on the floor or is throwing a tantrum or, you know, fill in the blank, there's like, there's my wife and it's a constant negotiation. Like, okay, whose who's schedule is such today that you, you get to leave right now, you know, and the other one has to stay and take care of that. And there is a, um, again, lucky to be able to have that option, but there's a fair amount of stress involved with that too. Again, I mean, you know, we're, we're lucky to be able to have the stress, but it is there. You're right. And, and I will say one of the things that I heard from a few different moms, kind of actually completely related to what you're talking about, is having that, their suggestion was on a weekly basis, where it's really the best way, to, the, the, or I think the best approach that I heard was whoever has to cancel the least number of meetings has to leave, like if a child is sick or has thrown up at, you know, in school or whatever the case is, but right. it is, a, it, it is a negotiation. I mean, you're absolutely right. You know, it, it is not easy because kids throw curveballs literally on a daily basis. So you kind of have yes. to figure out what works. And I think some of you, some of it is kind of based on formula. Like if this, then that, or, you know, this plus this plus this, this is what will happen. But some of it is also kind of based on who has the strength, right? Like who's stronger in this area and who's not. And then like in our household, we do things like whoever puts the kids to bed doesn't have to do the dishes, you know? So it's that, that partnership of, you know, well that way, because if not, then whoever was putting the kids to bed and doing the dishes, it was like eight 30 or something. And then you come downstairs and, and you realize, Oh, there's, just dishes everywhere. Like this is so many dishes. Right, another yeah. hour worth of kitchen cleanup. Yeah, yeah. You know, so Absolutely. you have to figure out what works. Yeah, and it's probably good now that you know, citing some of the statistics that you do. I am always when I think about the things that I have learned throughout my life and from my parents and what I, you know, what my children learned from me. So much of it is stuff that they have, things that they observe. So we lost power there for a second, but we'll pick back up with that conversation in which I was saying that, you know, there's a value perhaps in having children see mom and dad negotiate over these, you know, work-life responsibilities. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And, you know, that negotiation is something that they will use for the rest of their lives. So to see it even in kind of the smaller snippets is incredibly important. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me for, well, let me, let me ask you one thing, if you if you came across came across this, which is one thing that, that, that I experienced when I went out on my own, you know, and I wasn't, when I opened my own farm, I wasn't explicitly, you know, working part time, but I did go from a situation where my wife and I were both working at other jobs. I mean, I was at the U.S. Attorney's Office and she was at a firm to me being having a much more unstructured day, particularly at first when I had no clients. I had a lot of, I could have used your expertise on the marketing because that's what I needed to do most of. But there was a tendency, and I, I mean, I don't, and certainly didn't do this explicitly. I also did it too, to not view what I was doing as real work. Not that it was seen that way, but then it was almost, I was the automatic one that like, you know, something's happening at preschool or somebody needs to get home for dinner because I wasn't punching a clock, so to speak, you know, that my time was fungible. And I, and I did that myself, too. You know, I had to, you know, it took me a long time to be able to say, like, look, if this is going to work, I'm going to have to set the same kind of boundaries. I don't know if you experienced that or if you in your interviews, if you came across that phenomenon. So when it came to my own experience, I generally take on more of those things, but I have a lot of flexibility built into my day, like kind of by design. And those times when I don't have that flexibility, my husband and I generally do the weekly kind of sit down and like, what's going to be coming up this week? What do we need to worry about? Are there specific days when I need to make sure that I drop off both boys to school or whatever, because our boys go to two different schools? All of those kinds of things, like what kinds of arrangements need to be made. So I deal with that right now. And with the moms who, several of the moms who I spoke with have a lot of, have husbands who do a lot of travel. That happened to be something that I heard kind of over and over again in some of these conversations. And so they, to some extent, they need an element of flexibility in their roles. So not only do they work part-time, but they also have a little bit of flexibility kind of baked into the agreement. But to be quite honest, for a lot of those women, because, you know, the women that I interviewed had about an average of like nine and a half years of experience and like in the full working full time. And then they have about five and a half or six years of experience of working part time. So, I mean, we're talking about women who have 15 years of experience. So they're, they're generally pretty senior in the organizations that they're in. And so a lot of them simply pointed out, like, I have to go to outside help. You know, in those situations where my husband and I both don't have the ability to have flexibility, then we we just had to get outside help. And that could be a nanny. It could be a babysitter. It could be, you know, grandma who watches the kids or picks them up or, you know, whatever it was. But a lot of the women who I spoke with were very honest in saying, I couldn't make this all work without my my village, Right, uh, like family and friends and, and folks that they rely on. Yeah. Did you, can you give me an example of anybody who was doing something particularly creative uh, in that respect, like in terms of outsourcing? You know, obviously, if nanny is is you know a classic one, but any that was using multiple different services, something anything that springs to mind. So the best thing that I heard, and it was something I started using, was actually the working playdate. 
Hmm. It's something that when you hear it, it's like, oh, that totally makes sense. But if it's not something that you're used to, it, it's like a what? And so the idea is that your kids get to play and you and the other mom get to work. And so, you know, because there's those days of like, like teacher in service day or random school gets out early, but you know, yes, no day. I mean, whatever the case is. And it's like my clients, I have some flexibility with my clients and I try to build in those things. If I know them ahead of time, I was driving one morning to take the boys to their schools and something on the radio was talking about how a daycare couldn't accept kids one day because they, the whole center that they were in, like the strip center that they were in had lost power. And so they, I mean, they literally couldn't take kids. Like there was no power in the building. And, and it, you know, there's that moment of like, thank God that wasn't me. But, yeah, right. you know, those things happen. Or, I mean, for that matter, your kid could be sick. And so, you know, you don't want to be playing when your child is sick. But, but for all of those other times when you still need to get work done because your clients, whether they're internal or external, when they need stuff done, they need stuff done. And, you know, you want, there is that element of wanting your child to have fun and wanting them to have a play date, you know, a playmate or a play date, however you want to put it. And, you know, it's nice to be able to be working and have another mom there. It's a different person than your child is normally playing with. It doesn't require you figuring out like a babysitter or nanny or whatever the case is. And so, I mean, it's, it actually works really well. I mean, I use these on a regular basis now because I feel like there's just a ridiculous number of these random days throughout the school year and, and throughout preschool for sure. And it made so much sense. I was so thankful that someone had suggested that. And I even use those for networking. So it's more of like a networking play date because networking is so important to continuing to either move through the ranks or, or to grow your business that I'll do networking play dates too. And that way I can network with somebody at the same time that our kids are playing and, you know, you just, you get advantage of it. And it's, it is actually kind of a different approach. So cannot say enough good things about both of those options. Yeah, it's a great idea because there's a, there's an assumption, right? That if you have a play date, it's just sort of dead time for the adults. I mean, in the sense that, you know, you kind of hang out, which is better than, you know, nothing maybe, but it just sort of changes the, the script for that. Because if you're like, okay, we're, ha- we're coming here, we're bringing our laptops, you know, and like, yeah, we may chat a little bit, but that's okay if we're antisocial and we just type away or, or vice versa, kind of the situation you're mentioning where we are coming here explicitly to, to network, but it's okay to bring our kids. In fact, it's great that I bring, bring my kids because they're going to play with your kids and, you know, they won't be, you know, bugging us and hanging off of our, our pants legs. Exactly. Yeah, I, I, it's, 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 it really is so simple. It's like, why, why didn't I, why didn't I think about that before? Yeah, and when I heard that the very first time, I'm like, that is brilliant. Like, literally, that is a brilliant idea. I can't believe I never considered that. And when I yeah. talk to moms about it, they're like, "What? I could do that?" Yeah. It's like, "Yes, do it. Make it happen." I didn't even know that was possible. Well, let me ask you this. So for a someone who is listening out there who is thinking about, you know, going and doing the, you know, the part-time kind of taking the route that you did, what would you recommend to them? What kind of things do they need to do to get their ducks in a row? So the very first thing that I recommend that anyone who's interested in working part-time start with is understanding your motivation. And the reason why I say that is you know, it might seem that part-time is the solution, but it might not be. 
It might be that you're actually looking for a work from home situation or that you literally need to take a sabbatical for three months. Like there can be all kinds of things. It could be that you full on need a career change and working part time in your situation is never going to make it better. So really kind of starting with the motivation and understanding kind of as a second step, understanding what changes are going to happen in your life and in the life of your children and your significant other and how will that impact your team? Because you really kind of need to understand those things to prepare the rest of it. And then I highly recommend understanding the financial situation. And that's a conversation that you need to have kind of with yourself first, but also with your significant other, because it is just in general, it's really hard to work part-time or to make any kind of career change or change in your career approach without the support of your significant other. It's almost impossible. You know, I, I can do what I do because my husband is supportive of my situation. And, you know, he, I joked about him being integral and a part of my team as far as technology, but even that aside, like he has had to take on things when I need to get work done that I, that I won't do while I'm during my work day, when I'm taking care of client work, you know, if I've had to travel, like he steps up and, but just in general, being able to have that very constructive conversation, that's not confrontational with your significant other on why do you want to make these changes? Like, what does that really look like? And so you kind of need to do the homework first of understanding your motivation and kind of thinking through the financial implications, because especially if you decide you want to start a business, you know, and you talked about it, like drumming up business at the beginning, there are certainly people who leave a company and they have business right there. Like there are clients who leave with them, but more often than not, even with a ridiculous amount of experience, you're going to have to create that business. There will likely be a lag in generating income. And so you got to kind of have those financial ducks in a row to be able to, to deal with that. Yeah. And I think, you know, to add to that, just from my own experience is that working, particularly at first, if you're having to do a fair amount of marketing, you know, happens at different times. You know, if you're used to working a, a, you know, quote unquote, regular job where you are home, you know, 6.30, 7.30, like I just remember the early days and still true of my business, like a lot of the marketing and networking stuff happened in the evening. So even though I had a lot of flexibility, you know, at crunch time, you know, it's 6.30 when the wheels are coming off the bus at home because the kids are tired and you got to get them fed, you got to get them to bed. I had to be gone at, you know, a networking event, you know, yeah, there are, there's a lot of flexibility, but some of that time that you have to spend marketing, if that's what you're doing, starting a brand new business, or you know, even if you've got the experience and you're trying to find those clients, it, some of that work you have to be doing comes at some key times. So true. Well, let me ask you this: your perspective on this too. You know, there are obviously many advantages to being you know in a part time position. You know, the flexibility over your time being a tremendous one. But it can also be a significant source of stress. I think there was an article, I wish I could remember where it was, that came out just recently about depression rates among folks. I don't know if it's depression rates, but in the, in the gig economy, but the stress that they felt because, you know, there can be choppy waters and, you know, the, the income can be very good, but it can also be not so good sometimes. It can certainly be kind of a roller coaster. What, what's your experience with that? Did you come across that in your book and what would you advise people? 
You know, I didn't come across that in my book, but I can certainly speak to it from an entrepreneurial perspective. I mean, that is, that's my situation, right? And I think the thing that is really important to remember, and, and I stress this over and over again when I get this kind of question is, you know, entrepreneurship is not for everybody, it's not. I mean, there there is, you have to be very comfortable with inconsistency, not just from a financial perspective, but in your work levels, right? Like, it, I feel like it's like feast or famine, right? And so you have to be very comfortable with that. And so that's why I think it's so important to think through your motivation, because if it's really that you're looking for flexibility, then it might not necessarily be that you want to be an entrepreneur. It might be that what you really need is more of a flexible job. Like that might be what you're looking for. And that might not happen at the company that you work for. So you might have to go to a competitor or it might simply be that that can't happen in the department that you work in. So you might have to think out of the box. And so if you decide that you want to have your own business and, and about 38% of the women who I interviewed did make that decision that they wanted to go out on their own. But I will tell you, I have spoken to some of those women since interviewing them who have gone back into the workforce, like from a, I work for a company kind of perspective, you know, they are, they are an employee versus being an employer. Right. And, you know, they were very honest in saying it just, it wasn't working. You know, it, it was the, the combination of things I had to worry about wasn't really helping my situation anymore. So you just have to be ready for it. And, and I think it's really important to remember if you step away from being an entrepreneur and you go back into the workforce, that's not a source of failure, like at all. That's a, that's a learning, right? Where you're able to say, it just wasn't right for me. And I want to go where I am going to be successful, not where I feel like I have to be and I have to stay here, even though there's a high level of stress and anxiety, just because I decided I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I'm going to have to just stick with it because I've made this, you know, that's not at all it. It's like, your career is a constant learning, right? So you can say like, yeah, this is a great idea and I'm going to go with it or, oh, bad idea. It's time for me to go back to the workforce. <laughs> yeah, no, no question. No question. I, I think it's a, a very important point. I was speaking to a group of law students about, you know, on a panel about starting your own, own firm. And, you know, what I told them was that there are, of course, many advantages and I it should be a career option that people seriously consider and you shouldn't be held back by fear. But there is this, for lack of a better word, you know, lionization or we put on a pedestal the entrepreneur as somehow better than a, you know, a W-2 employee. And it's just not true. You know, there, of course, entrepreneurs should be, you know, it takes a certain amount of guts, it takes a certain amount of uh, hard work, and that, those are obviously great attributes. But it's just, it's another way to live your life. And, you know, while there are upsides, there are significant downsides. And it just... You know, I told people, it's like, you got to pick which headache you want, right? And like, <laughs> do you want, you know, for some people, like having to, you know, do the kind of the nine to five is too restricting for them. And for some people, you know, the uncertainty is not, is not for them. And one is not better than, than the other. Uh, and, you know, so absolutely, it's not, it's not, it's not a failure. I will say this, which I'm sure you would, you would echo, you will learn a lot, <laughs> <laughs> you know, sometimes the hard way, but there's no question that if you hang out your own shingle and it doesn't 
work in the sense or, or doesn't become a long-term solution for, for you, there's no question you will be a more valuable professional or employee when you go on to the next chapter. Absolutely. And, and there is some element of value of having that entrepreneurial spirit in a company, you know, like, oh, sure. like being able to have those kinds of employees work for you because there is an element of innovation and honestly, like scrappiness of like, I'm going to roll up my sleeves and I'm going to get it done because I'm going to get it done, you know, versus like, well, that's not really in my job description. And like, right. you know, there are all kinds of things. And so you read all kinds of articles about like, how can you keep that entrepreneurial spirit in your employees as your company grows? And it's, you know, it, it is a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe what you need to do is hire an entrepreneur, <laughs> right? <laughs> which, which you actually, I mean, I will say this just as an aside, if you do choose to put out your own shingle, then I think it's really important to make sure that you end on good terms with your previous employer, especially if you would like to continue to do work with them. Because, I mean, you never know how they can impact your business down the road. Like, it's amazing how you can continue to have those relationships. And I mean, even in my own situation, like I have had previous employers send me business. You know, you want to make sure that you don't build that brick burn that bridge. You want to build the bridge because it it can be a huge, huge plus for growing your business. And so you don't want it to be like, I'm out of here, you know, and that's right. Tell you what you can do with a job. Yeah, exactly. Don't do that. That is not an approach I suggest. (laughs) It It is so true. You may have to eat a lot of those words later if you do that. Well, let me, uh, let me ask you this. So for the, your, your book and your research, what would you say to moms and dads who, uh, who, are, who want to stay in the full-time gig, who don't want to do the part-time, you know, the part-time kind of work? What did you learn that would help them succeed in their careers? So I think that there's a few things. There's actually several things that, that work just honestly for working parents that I think really they that need to kind of be top of mind. One of the most important hands down is self-care. And that's going to look different for a mom or a dad. That's going to look different for moms with young kids. It's going to look a little bit different for everyone. And I think it's important to think about the 360 degree view of self-care because a lot of times people think, you know, especially like for moms, it's like, well, I don't want to be at a spa all day. And it's like, well, hold on. That's not really what self-care is unless you want that to be what self-care is. But I'm talking about even the most basic things of like, you need to get enough sleep. And that's going to look different for someone who has a newborn than for someone who has a teenager, right? But getting enough sleep in general and understanding the value of that versus some of the other needs that you might have. But like getting enough sleep, eating the right way and having like healthy things that actually fill you up from the inside out exercising. And my view on exercise is you just fit in exercise when you can like, okay, I understand you're supposed to do 30 minutes, like five or six times a week or whatever it is, but it's like 15 minutes is better than zero. And you can layer it. Like, I don't know how many times I've taken my child out in a stroller while I have been on a conference call, you know, and those conference calls might be more for the social side of things before you get to the meaty things, but you know, you fit it in where you can and that, and it doesn't have to look perfect in a gym, you know, 45 minute class or whatever it is. And then the other thing is to think through like, however you, you're able to fill your cup 
And that's going to look different for everybody. You know, it might be hiking by yourself on a Saturday morning. It might be going to the spa. It could, you know, all of those kinds of things. Because, and for dads, it's going to look different. But they also need to have whatever kind of self-care and filling their cups that happens because they want to feel fully engaged in work and in home. And, you know, you've got to kind of figure out what that is. And in relationships, you have to balance it, right? So there has to be the time for moms to be able to have their playtime and and their self-care and all those kinds of things. And then for dads and, you know, for some couples, I know it's like, well, Saturday is my thing and Sunday is yours, you know, and you kind of break it up so that it's, it's fair. And then it's also about maintaining that relationship because, that relationship between mom and dad, regardless of whether you're divorced or together or whatever, that's an incredibly important relationship for your children. And so if you are still married or if you are in a relationship still, being able to actually have that connection and to have that that strong engagement as a couple is incredibly important. You know, that you want to talk about mimicking that, something that children can mimic. I mean, that's huge. So I think those are incredibly important. But some of the other things that I think are really helpful for parents to kind of keep in mind are things like taking back your calendar. Because so many times it's about, well, there's a team meeting. I don't even know if I need to be at this team meeting, you know, or whatever it is. And it's almost like, well, if somebody sends you an invitation, you feel like you have to you have to say yes, but, but why, you know, if you don't really need to be there and your boss isn't standing over you saying you better click yes, then chances are you could probably talk to the meeting coordinator and say, I don't really need to be here. I'm just going to take a look at the meeting notes, or I'm going to tell John what my thoughts are on this because I need to be able to do something else, you know, but, but I feel like we all kind of need to take back ownership of our calendar a little bit. And use the time wisely instead of just reacting to the things that come up. And part of that can be figuring out how you work best. You know, like I use batching, for example, where I do like things combined. So like I do like when I look at email, I work on email for like a large period of time. When I'm doing strategy, I work on strategy. When I'm doing content creation, I do content creation. And that way, like I don't have as much, I don't lose time to like shifting in, in what you're working on. But I didn't necessarily do that when I worked for a company, you know, I just worked on what, what I needed to work on that like came across my email and you'd see the little thing that pops up that that gives you preview of, of what the email is. And you're like, Oh, I need to answer that. And you see the phone and you, I mean, I've, I've always worked somewhere where they had the spy phone. So you could see who was calling and you pick up the phone when you see that. And it's like, we all have voicemail. The email's not going anywhere. You know, chances are you're invited to more meetings than you need to be. You know, it's most things don't need to be turned around in the next five minutes. Like, we just need to own it again instead of reacting to it. Yeah. With one of the you know, double-edged sword factors of, of technology, it's work anytime, anywhere, but work can find you anytime, anywhere. Yeah, but... But work doesn't have to find you anytime, anywhere. You know, you can create those boundaries. And those boundaries aren't necessarily between work and home. They can even be, like, boundaries of, I'm only going to check my email twice a day, you know? Yeah, absolutely, because that can eat up your time, no question. So, but I feel like we all kind of have to use those muscles again of, like, let me set those boundaries. This is, I need to be more productive. 
let me set those boundaries differently. No, I think that I think that's all all very good advice. Well, this has been enormously productive. I, I hope for our listeners, but certainly for me. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything that I did not ask you that you think would be important to talk about, or anything about your book that I didn't cover that you would like to you would like to raise? I think that covers it. I I know okay. I've said a lot of things, so hopefully people can take little nuggets from it all and apply what really kind of matters and what works in their own situation. Yeah, I think, you know, when your blog is a very good source of that, you know, you really break it down there. I highly recommend folks check out your website and get some of that bite-sided advice in your blog. Let me ask you, do you do individual coaching or are you mostly public speaking and, and you're working on your books? Like, what is it? What can people hire you to do? <laughs> I mainly do speaking and that speaking is in... Is for like associations. Like I not too long ago spoke to a group of women attorneys in Austin or for much larger speaking opportunities. And then I also do consulting for companies that are interested in, in creating more work-life balance initiatives. So coaching right. is not on the table and I'm not sure if it will be. <laughs> maybe, maybe one day down the road, but not yet. Yeah, if you're busy doing what you're doing, why add to it? Well, well, listen, Suzanne, I really appreciate your time. Highly recommend folks check out uh, your website, certainly your book, and all that will be in the show notes. And thanks again, and, and good luck with all the good work you're doing. Thank you. I so appreciate it, Tom. It was so great to chat with you today, and I appreciate you having me on the show. Okay. Take care, Suzanne. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Parents at Work podcast. Are you interested in learning more about our show, our hosts, or today's guest? Do you have a comment or question you'd like to share with the Parents at Work community? Then contact us at www.spigglelaw.com slash podcast. We'll see you next time.